Our scripture lesson this morning is from Romans, the 8th chapter, beginning in the 18th verse. Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God and Savior of sinners, thank you for coming into the world to give us hope. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving Jesus to us to make us through his death death and resurrection people who were born again to a living hope. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are the spirit of adoption in our lives that makes us know that we are daughters and sons of God and thus people filled with hope. So God, you are a God of love. You are a God of grace and mercy. And you are God of hope. Would you make us today more and more and in the days ahead your people of hope? We pray in Jesus' name and for his name's sake. Amen. Well, good morning. It is so good to be with you. I'm Paul Hahn. I've been here several times before. I've come before because I was the coordinator of Mission in North America, the the, the sort of part of our denomination in the Presbyterian Church in America that promotes church planning. So I've been here several times before, right? And it's so good to be with you today. Congratulations. You are graduating today from mission church status to being a full-fledged congregation with your own elders, with your mission going forward. To get to this point, to, to have a room of, you know, 150 people or so here that, that is, is realizing God's work in this place is a beautiful marker and it's worthy of celebration. And I wanted to be here to be part of it. I invited myself to come with Derek a couple of months ago. But, but I wanted to be here too because I wanted to say thank you. Because you took our youngest son in, Jim, for Fran and me, and after college gave him a place to experience life in the gospel in a local church, to be part of a community, 
to pursue his sense of calling for gospel ministry. You loved on him. Let him grow a little bit into a, a, a young man. And we are so grateful. I can't even put it into words. Jim is thriving in Charlotte. I really begged him to come with me today. If you know Jim, no doubt I got to study. I got to be here, you know, for seminary. And, and I've got stuff at my church. And, and so he sends his best greetings. But I'm here because I wanted to, to mark this day with you. I wanted to say thank you and greet you with Jim's love. Uh, I wanted to be here for my good friends, Derek and Joy. And um, I still remember them as college students. And um, now they have college students. So, so I'm the one that feels really old with that. Um, and I wanted to reflect with you because this is a big day. I asked Derek, you know, why did you name the church Hope? I love that name. And he said, well, it was fresh. You know, it wasn't sort of overused in our circles. And it, it seemed to have this depth and this resonance, right, as a core biblical idea and concept that also touches down deeply into our lives, right? Everyone is looking for hope. Everyone sort of seems to be short on hope. And I, I love that. I think you chose, well, he said, you know, you as a, a launch group, the original launch group, picked the name together. I think you chose very, very well. Hope really is an idea that stands at the intersection between our deepest needs and longings and Jesus coming into the world to give us hope. You know, the apostles were so big on hope. Peter is like the apostle of hope, you know. He starts out his letter, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has borne us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We get to be people with new life of hope because Christ is risen from the dead. He goes on near the end of that first letter and he says, Your calling as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, is to be ready at all times and in all places to give reason for the hope that you have in Jesus. The writer of the Hebrews loves hope. And he describes it sort of just, just, just beautifully, ephemerally almost, like hope is this thing that is an anchor for your souls, hooked up into the heavenly places, behind the screen of the ultimate tabernacle where Christ has once for all made sacrifice for God and sits on the mercy seat to pour out the mercies of God forever to us. Beautiful, winsome, but elusive. What does hope really mean? Confidence, certainty even, that all of your longings for your life in the world to be made new, for all that is good and right and true and just and wonderful to fully come to pass in Jesus. And our hope is certain. It's not I hope so, like I hope maybe Texas can go a step further, you know, in the big dance next year. Maybe that's going to happen, maybe not, right? This is definitely going to happen. All things are going to be made new in Jesus. So Paul loves it too. He's like the other apostles, and you've been working your way through Romans and hearing great sermons out of Romans. And, and Paul's been building this, right? He's saying, you, you've been brought out of an old way of life under an old Adam 
into a new way of life in a new Adam, the second Adam, Jesus, who has died for your sins and been raised for your justification. And, and part of the blessing of life in him is the Spirit is poured out in your life to tell you there is no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. Shame doesn't have to mark your life. Doubt doesn't have to mark your life. There's this certainty that you've been brought into a new family, and you're not condemned, but you're loved. And the Spirit comes into your life to say, be people of hope. If God has done this much for you already, he will ultimately fulfill it in the day of Jesus to come. But Paul's got a twist here, as he is often want to do. And the twist is, is that ultimately our hope is God's hope. We get to actually draw down hope from God himself. It's interesting in this passage, right, the first time hope is mentioned, it's mentioned of God. That though this ourselves in this world and this cosmos has been subjected to futility by our running away from God, God allows all of this to happen, oversees all of this, subjects all of this, if you will, in hope. God has a hope for you and for me. It's a hope you can remember when you come here every Sunday, when you invite someone to come with you, that you're people of hope, and it's God's hope. God's hope is that the suffering that you endure is one day going to fully bear forth and yield to glory. Those who suffer together with Jesus will be glorified together with Jesus. There's so much suffering all around, right? You just think of the global scale of that Ukraine right now. You think about famine riddling just major swaths of Africa. You think about the economic collapse utterly in Sri Lanka right now. You know, in Los Angeles where we are now, I'm no longer heading up missions for the whole denomination. I'm just an interim pastor of a church in Los Angeles, glad to tell you that story sometime. But, but here we are, in L.A. is this beautiful place, but it's really this hopeless place. It's just this place with suffering everywhere. It has the, the worst homeless situation in the United States. There are literally people living on the sidewalk. You just can't walk a block, like in my neighborhood in Venice, without stepping on somebody who's living on the sidewalk, maybe not even without a tent, you know, maybe without a tent or anything. There's suffering everywhere. COVID has taught us suffering, right, in fresh ways. And we've all got our own stories of suffering, right? Personally, I sat down last night in Austin, flew in and, and sat with two of my dearest friends in the world. And the three of us just kind of had dinner. And, and you know, there was just a lot of suffering around that table. Some of us were divorced. Some of us were in hard marriages. Some of us suffered from cancer. Some of us suffer from depression. Some of us have children who are walking away from the faith. It's a lot of suffering. And what God says, and I know you've got yours here in New Braunfels and in your story and in your life, and God says to you, 
I've got hope that these sufferings you're experiencing as my children, as my daughters and sons that I've adopted and brought into my family, I've got hope that this is going somewhere. That as you're journeying with Jesus through this suffering, somehow mysteriously and wonderfully, I'm creating a weight of glory in your life. I am readying you for a full eternity of joy and fullness with me where all the wrongs will be righted, all the sad things come untrue. And your scars that you bear now are going to be part of that glory just as the scars of my son are part of his resurrection glory. They're going to be part of yours. And another way Paul talks about it is is your whole arc of your sonship, your daughtership, is going to be completed. That's why God has hope. He knows that we're going to fully mature as sons and daughters. I mean, what was so fun about Jim being here for two years is as parents to watch him mature. You had to deal with that, right? But we got to see the benefits of that. And to see him grow and mature was beautiful. What your father delights in is that he's growing and maturing you and me. He's taking us across a full arc of growing up into our sonship and daughtership until we are fully revealed in the renewal of all things. And God is all in on this. He proves that to us by the cross of Jesus Christ. And as Paul goes on to say in this same chapter, if he has done this for us, if he has freely given us Jesus, then together with him will he not give us all things. You know, hope is like this. I'm on the airplane from L.A., and I don't know if you've been flying much lately, but it's odd to me. I, the more I fly lately, I'm kind of watching this and marking this, and maybe it's just traveling out of Los Angeles. People are on long flights all the time. I don't know, but it just, it just seems like now the thing to do when you get on the plane is to have all the shutters closed. It used to be everybody would have the shutters open. Let's look and see things. Nobody had got the shutters open anymore. It's just so odd. And I, we were getting ready to land in Austin. I've got a little flight tracker up, and I see we're minutes away. And one person across the way on the other side had theirs just barely cracked open, and I could just kind of peek through there and see outside. I was so happy to be landing in Austin, the end of this trip, and coming here to rejoice with you. And I could just kind of barely see through and see the, the Austin around me. Well, that's what hope is. We can see where God's taking us. We sort of, times may feel like you're just journeying on this tube of life that feels dark and difficult, but there's sunshine, there's beauty, there's a wonderful destination ahead, and God wants us to open wide the shutters so we can see and so others can see that hope. I, I'll leave you with this. It's a quote from my friend, Scotty Smith. He, he writes a little text to pastors every day. He's a friend and mentor, and this was his text this morning. And I thought, thank you, Scotty, you're finishing my sermon for me. Imagine the day when Abba's every nation family 
will gather in the new heaven and new earth as numerous as stars, sand, and dust, as Christ-like as glorification will make us, as loving as Jesus is beautiful. Friends, may the hope of our perfect forever invade and impact our messy now. That's what hope's meant to do, to give you enduring grace in the mess of now, to see into a beautiful and sure future. Be by the gospel, by God at work in you, his people of hope in New Braunfels and beyond. When we take this meal in a few moments, we'll be eating bread and wine of hope. Be filled with this hope. Live as his people of hope. Enjoy the Lord and make him known. Plant seeds of hope in New Braunfels and watch them grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, Hope. My name's Luke Evans. I'm a pastor in San Antonio, and I'm privileged to be here with you this morning. You know, what you've seen so far in worship is, you know, regular, normal Sunday stuff, beautiful music, a wonderful sermon reflecting on God's grace and the hope of the gospel. What you're going to see in the next few minutes is, you know, it's unusual, uh, extraordinary, but unusual. And I, I just want to orient us a moment to what we're going to be doing for the next few minutes together. Uh, I'm here as a part of what Derek called a commission, which is a group of elders from our presbytery who are given a particular task. And our task this morning is to ordain and install two elders over this church and ordain and install Derek McCollum as your pastor. And so what an honor and what a privilege to be able to do that. Uh, this, is, this is one of the ways that you're able to kind of witness um, the beauty of our Presbyterianism. You know, Presbyterianism uh, is really about being connected to one another. And so when Hope was planted five years ago, I was privileged to be a part of meetings before Derek and Joy even got here talking and praying about this church beginning. And uh, over the last five years, you might not know it, but we, as members of the South Texas Presbytery, have prayed for you. We've heard updates from Derek about how things are going. Um, we've asked him questions about how we can help. And uh, we, we've cared, and cared for you, and, and, and we've done our best to love and serve you. And, and um, this is the fruit of the gospel at work here this morning, and, and the fruit of the prayer that we've offered and that you've offered and that the Holy Spirit has done among us. And so it, it's not common to be able to kind of see the blessing of our connection together. This is one of the opportunities for us to see that this morning. So thank you for letting us be here and uh, be a part of this celebration and uh, this installation service. I want to introduce to you the other members of our commission. Each of them have a role to play this morning. We're going to expedite this process. It's always dangerous to get a bunch of preachers lined up one after the other. I've got actually a few comments on Paul's sermon. I don't need to talk. No, not really. Um, we're going to go quick through this process, and then we're going to celebrate together. So I'm Luke Evans. I pastor Christ Church San Antonio. Alan Tysinger is here. He's a ruling elder at our church in San Antonio. John Fitch is a ruling elder at Redeemer in San Antonio. And then Billy Crane serves on our commission. Billy is the pastor of Christ Church in Kerrville, and a number of other friends and members of our presbytery are here this morning as well and will participate in 
our service. And so that's who we are, and that's what we're here to do. And so the first thing we're going to do is ordain and install Eric and Clay as ruling elders, and then we're going to covenant, ask you to covenant together as a congregation, and then we're going to ordain and install Derek, and then we'll proceed to celebrate the Eucharist together as we worship. So with that said, let me invite Alan, to, or John, sorry, John to come forward, and we will uh, ask the questions of the candidates. And why don't we have Eric and Clay, you guys come on up here and stand up here at the front. Well, good morning, Hope. It's good to be here today. And good morning, Clay and Eric. Congratulations. Um, I am going to read to you the questions for your ordination to the Office of Ruling Elder, and your response to these questions will be, I do. Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, as originally given, to be the inerrant word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the confession of faith and the catechism of this church as containing the system of doctrine taught in the Holy Scriptures? And do you further promise that if at any time you find yourself out of accord with any of the fundamentals of this system of doctrine, you will, on your own initiative, make known to your session the change which has taken place in your views since the assumption of this ordination vow? Do you approve of the form of government and discipline of the Presbyterian Church in America in conformity with the general principles of biblical polity? I do. do you accept the office of ruling elder in this church and promise faithfully to perform all the duties thereof and to endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your life and to set a worthy example before the church of which God has made you an officer? Do you promise subjection to your brethren in the Lord? Do you promise to strive for the purity, peace, unity, and edification of the church? Thank you. And now to you, the congregation, I ask you these questions, and I do want your response to be a, um, a hearty I do. And if you don't, I may ask you to do it again. Um, do you, members of this church, acknowledge and receive these brothers as a ruling elder? And do you promise to yield to them all that honor, encouragement, and obedience in the Lord to which their office, according to the word of God and the constitution of this church, entitles them? Thank you. That was pretty good. Well done. Okay, if you are a, an elder in the Presbyterian Church in America, I'd like to invite you to come forward. We're going to ordain these men and install them to the office of elder by praying for them and laying on hands uh, for them as Paul did for Timothy. And um, I would invite you, Congregation of Hope, to uh, join me as we pray for Eric and for Clay and set them apart for the work to which God has called them. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for the kindness of your forgiving grace to us in the gospel. Thank you that in Jesus Christ we have the redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you that in Jesus Christ we are your children, beloved by you now and forever, and that nothing in heaven or on earth can separate us from your love. Thank you for the hope of the gospel of which we have heard this morning. And Father, we this morning gather together and recognize your work in this particular congregation. 
And we celebrate what you by your spirit have done and are doing. And we set these two brothers in Christ apart for the work of elder. And Lord, we ask that by your spirit, you would empower and bless them to serve in this office well, to imitate you, Lord Jesus, who did not come to be served, but to serve and give your life. May these men serve this congregation. May they give their lives up for the good and growth of each individual member of this body. And God, I pray that you would fill them with the fruit of the Spirit. I pray that you would grant them unity with one another and with Derek. I pray that, God, as you call them into your mission, they would obediently follow you. God, give them wisdom as they engage difficult issues. Give them selfless care of members here. Give them a heart for the lost and the lonely and the hopeless in the city of New Braunfels. And by your spirit, empower and use their ministry for your glory and for the good of everyone in this city. And so, God, we love these men. We are grateful for these men. And we commit them to you and ask you, God, to use them to build this church up in hope. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Y'all can clap. It's okay. We can clap. Okay, congregation here at Hope, our next task this morning is to invite you, if you are a communing member here, to enter into uh, a covenant with one another um, by answering the following question that I'm about to ask you. And as John has already instructed, we're going to ask you to respond by saying, I do, uh, nicely and loudly. This is, yes. Oh, yeah. Furry, sorry. I have to utter this pronouncement first. Thank you, Ben. See, Presbyterianism. We can help each other out. Okay, let me say this. I now pronounce and declare that Eric Abrahamson and Clay Robison have been regularly elected, ordained, and installed as ruling elders in this church, agreeable to the Word of God and according to the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church in America, and that as such they are entitled to all encouragement, honor, and obedience in the Lord, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ben. Okay, Congregation of Hope, let me ask you this question as you commit together to following the Lord in this time and in this place as one body under the authority and leadership of these men. Do you, in reliance on God for strength, solemnly promise and covenant that you will walk together as a particular church on the principles of the faith and order of the Presbyterian Church in America, and that you will be zealous and faithful in maintaining the purity and peace of the whole body. Do you? Amen. Amen. I now pronounce and declare that you are constituted a church according to the word of God and the faith and order of the Presbyterian Church in America. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Congratulations.
Having set apart for the work of ministry your two elders, we're now going to proceed to call Derek McCollum uh, as your pastor and install him. And ruling elder Alan Tysinger is going to ask Derek questions. Thank you, Luke. Derek, it's exciting to see you here uh, responding to the call of God in your life, eager to take up this weighty role. And so we're going to be doing a lot of the same stuff that John did with the ruling elders, and it seems similar, but it's distinct because Derek has the double honor of having the calling as your pastor, your shepherd, and dedicating his life to counseling, preaching, teaching, and loving you. And so that double honor uh, allows us to call him and to call you to take vows, uh, promising to love and serve one another. So Derek, uh, I have these questions for you. Are you now willing to take charge of this congregation of Hope Presbyterian Church as their pastor, agreeable to your declaration and accepting their call? I am. Do you conscientiously believe and declare as far as you know your own heart that in taking upon you this charge, you are influenced by a sincere desire to promote the glory of God and the good of this church? Do. do you solemnly promise that by the assistance of the grace of God, you will endeavor faithfully to discharge all the duties of a pastor to this congregation and will be careful to maintain a deportment in all respects becoming a minister of the gospel of Christ, agreeable to your ordination engagements. Questions to you, the congregation of Hope Presbyterian Church. And the right answer is a hearty, I do. Do you, the people of this congregation, continue to profess your readiness to receive Derek McCollum, whom you have called to be your pastor. <laughs> Remember that vow. Do you promise to receive the word of truth from his mouth with meekness and love and to submit to him in due exercise of discipline? Do you promise to encourage him in his labors and to assist his endeavors for your instruction and spiritual edification? Do you engage to continue to him while he is your pastor that competent worldly maintenance which you have promised and to furnish him with whatever you may see needed for the honor of religion and for his comfort among you? Thank you. Let me um, pray for Derek as uh, we honor him and as we ask for the Lord to continue to bless his ministry here. Pray with me. Father, thank you for Derek. Thank you for Joy. And thank you for calling them to this town for their work in establishing this church. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for gracing Derek with particular gifts for ministry and joy as well. And we ask that you would encourage him in his ongoing service and labors here. We ask that you would be faithful to him, Father, as he seeks to be faithful to the people of this church. And Father, 
help him to remember that he is uh, not the chief shepherd and to rely on Jesus and all of his gentle love and kindness to him and for him. So, Father, equip him uh, for the work of ministry by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for him. We set him apart for your work, and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Derek. Congratulations. One other aspect of our work together this morning is for you as the congregation to vote on Derek's call to be your pastor. You've just voted to elect him and install him, so I would encourage you to also agree to vote for this. That would be a little weird if you didn't. So what I'm going to do is read to you the terms of his call, which we are asked to do by our denomination, and then I'm going to ask you to um, vote to approve this call and Derek will be then called and installed as the pastor here at Hope. Dear Reverend McCollum, Hope Presbyterian Church, being on sufficient grounds, well satisfied of the ministerial qualifications of you, Derek McCollum, and having good hopes from our knowledge of your labors that your ministry in the gospel will be profitable to our spiritual interests, we do earnestly call you to undertake the pastoral office in this congregation, promising you in the discharge of your duty, all proper support, encouragement, and obedience in the Lord, that you may be free from worldly cares and avocations. We hereby promise and oblige ourselves to meet the financial terms of your call. Pause here. We have overviewed and reviewed the financial terms of his call and have found them to be in good order and in line with others in his ministry field. You're encouraged, Derek, to take four weeks of vacation and two weeks of study leave a year. And um, I, being the moderator of this meeting, uh, will oversee this vote now. So if you, hearing the terms of this call, would like to vote to approve this call to Derek McCollum to be pastor of this congregation, please respond by saying, I do. I do. Any opposed? That's great to hear. Okay, then we will uh, approve that call. And Derek, congratulations. Let's give the McCollums a round of applause. Billy Crane is now going to come and give a brief charge to the pastors and the elders here of Hope. Good morning. As you said, my name is Billy Crane. I'm the pastor at Christ Church in Kerrville. And besides being a part of this commission, um, the, the reason I'm really here is because I've known Derek and Joy for almost 30 years, and they and their family are some of my favorite people in the world, and Derek is very dear to me. And over the past five, six years, as Derek was even dreaming about being a part of a church plant, I got to be a part of hearing that conversation and hearing those dreams. And it's such a joy, and I'm getting kind of worked up thinking about it, to see you here today as what the Lord was working and doing through that whole process. Uh, so thank you for letting me be here. I, I have been called um, to give a brief charge to the elders and deacons, but then also to give a brief charge to the congregation as well. And so um, for the, the charge to the elders, sorry, to the elders, to Eric and Clay and Derek, uh, I'm going to read two verses from John chapter 10. John 10 verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And then John uh, 10, 17, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Now, this passage is about Jesus, who is the good shepherd. In fact, he's not only the good shepherd, he is the great shepherd. There is no shepherd like Jesus. 
And while this passage, uh, Derek and Clay and Eric, is not about you, um, it's about Jesus who we are called as elders to follow. And therefore, we are to look to him as our example for how to shepherd and love the sheep. And in this passage, what Jesus says about himself, he's talking about himself, the thing that he identifies as the thing that makes him the good shepherd is that he lays down his life for the sheep. He lays down his life, and what he's talking about is ultimately this is pointing to him going to the cross and dying for his sheep. Now, I'm hopeful that Eric and Clay are going to survive their term as elders and that uh, Derek will someday hopefully honorably retire from this position. Um, But the reality is, is what you have been called to to do here as shepherds of this flock is that you have been called to die. Not necessarily to physically die, but to die nonetheless. You are called to lay down your life for the sheep. And I bring that up because in any job, but particularly in a job like this, it's easy to see the job as elder uh, or leader in the church as a way to give yourself life, to try to build yourself up, to glorify yourself, to start thinking about yourself uh, in ways more important than you should. That you start thinking that I'm a pretty big deal, that this church is going to thrive and be awesome because I'm here. Or even you start asking questions like, like, well, how am I going to benefit from this? Or what is it, what's in this for me? Or is, how is this going to make me look? And the reality is, is that heart attitude has to die. It has to die. You've got to stop thinking about how this position is going to give me life or build me up from what I do, but instead die to that because that's going to come up comes up for all of us and for pastors and elders it definitely comes up because satan wants you thinking about you and not him or the sheep and you're also called not just to die to those self-promoting attitudes but also to die to ourselves for the sake of the sheep as you've been called to shepherd this flock you need to be asking your question the question how am i called to love them how am i called to care for them what do they need And the reality is that sometimes the sheep bite. Sometimes they're going to hurt you, and you don't get to run away. You get to stay here and love them and be patient with them and even seek out the ones that have wandered off. Now, you can't do that by your own strength. And that's why I read that second verse where it talks about Jesus taking up his life again, because that's speaking about Christ's resurrection. He raised himself. He's the one with resurrection power in life. And the only way that you are going to be able to continue in the call and to do so and thrive is if you're looking to him first. And so my challenge and charge to you is do not sacrifice your relationship with Christ. You need to be drawing near to him more and more that he might fill you with his life. And this is for the sake of your heart, and this is the most important thing that you can do for your ministry, is to seek him out, to serve and love him. And if you're following him and the flock is following you, then you're all going to be going in the right direction. All right? So that's my charge to you. My charge to the congregation is this, and I'm going to read just a brief Uh, two verses from Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. It says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. 
to prepare God's people for works of service to do that uh, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we have reached unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so my charge to you, this congregation, the Congregation of Hope Presbyterian, is to remember that you have been given a gift from God, that these men who've been called to serve you are gifts from him. And the thing that makes gifts even more special when they're good gifts is the one who gives them to you. For multiple years, I had on the top of my dresser a little square tile that had been painted. And it had been painted uh, uh, by one of my children. Now, that tile itself was not very valuable. It was literally worthless. But to me, it has great significance and meaning because my son gave it to me as a gift. These men have been given to you from the Lord as a gift. And so my encouragement to you is to remember that to be thankful for them uh, and give uh, thanks to the Lord for them. My second thing I want to say to you is to remember that while these men have been called to serve and love love you, you have also been called to serve, love, and cherish them. And therefore, I charge you to pray for their families, to give them and share with them words of encouragement. Ask them how you can help. Invite them over for dinner. Speak kind words to their children and to their spouses. This will be immeasurably important and meaningful to them. The third thing I want to say to you is that these men have been called to teach you. Derek is a preacher, and all of them to uh, teach you in ways as in Bible studies or in small groups or in one-on-one gatherings together. Listen to their preaching and teaching expectantly. Take seriously the admonitions and the applications they, they give to you. If you disagree with something that they say before you tell them how wrong they are, take a moment to consider and to reflect And then, if you still don't agree, then go to them and talk with them about it. And the last thing I want to charge you with as a congregation is as wonderful as Eric and Clay and Derek are, I am confident that they are going to make some mistakes and maybe even some big ones. And from time to time, they're going to each do or say something that's wrong. They're going to step on your toes. And even because they are human, they're going to even sin against you. And when that happens... I want to encourage you to do something that's really hard, and that's to not assume the worst about them. And that's normal human nature, to be honest. When you've been hurt, when someone's done something wrong, you assume the worst. Slow down and pray about it, and it's a hard thing to do. So when that happens, don't assume the worst. Don't talk about them behind their back. Instead, go to them humbly and speak to them. Give them the opportunity to talk with you about whatever it is that has happened. Maybe you've misunderstood them. Maybe they've misunderstood you. Maybe they have sinned against you. Give them the opportunity to learn from their mistake. And give them the opportunity to repent as well. May the Lord's blessings be upon you as a congregation. And Derek and Clay and Eric, may his blessings be upon you as well. Amen. Good morning. Uh, My name is Ben Haley, and I am the lead pastor uh, of Redeemer College Station, which is a church plant in our presbytery as well. And I just want to say, I know know some of you, it's it's really great to be here, and I'm really thankful to be with you. And I just wanted to say, like, I am super proud of y'all. 
Like, this is a big deal. And y'all have worked hard, and you've prayed a lot, and you've loved one another, and you've moved locations, and you've given, and you've done all of these things. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just super proud of you. So you don't, many of you don't know me, but I feel like I can say that um, to you, and I want to encourage you in that. It gives me a great privilege this morning to <clears throat> pray for you uh, as we go to the Lord in prayer together. So please pray with me. Lord, we pray this morning, uh, first of all, for your kingdom to take root and grow through each of us in the community of hope and grow throughout our state and country and globally. Lord, we pray uh, for other churches in New Braunfels. We pray for healthy, gospel-centered churches that shine as a light to New Braunfels bringing the love and peace of Christ to bear on our city and surrounding area. Lord, I I pray specifically for Hope New Braunfels. Would you make this church a beacon of your grace, a light of the gospel, a refuge of hope, a strong tower of protection, a mass unit for the broken and hurting? Lord, we pray that Hope would have uh, ministry challenges due to growth, that they would have to order more pizza at events and rent more chairs and spend more money and give more money. Lord, I pray that you would not only grow this church in all these ways, but first and foremost, grow our hearts to rest in you and trust in you and walk in faith and obedience to you. Lord, I lift up our nation and the world and pray for peace and welfare through the advancement of the gospel and wise leadership. Lord, we pray for those who are serving globally in missions. Uh, Lord, for you to continue raising up and equipping missionaries to every tribe and tongue and nation that all may know Christ's victory over sin and death. And Lord, we bring to you this morning specific needs for hope, for healing from cancer for Ms. Garner, at New Braunfels Christian Academy for Cody Fuller, Beth Wharton, Burt Powell, Sheree Abramson's Aunt Patty, and Kathy Roberts. Lord, we pray for those in need of healing from difficult illness, for Vera Crawford, Nora Dixon, and Diana Hartman. Lord, we pray for the marriages in this congregation, that you would strengthen them, that you would cast Satan out of their homes. Lord, that you would protect them, that you would uh, encourage spouses to lean in with forgiveness and hope, uh, Lord, to listen to one another, to love one another, to serve one another. Lord, we pray for the children in this congregation. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would be faithful to the promises that you have given to our children in baptism. Lord, that they would grow up and walk faithfully and obediently with you because we know as parents that is where life and light is found only in you. Lord, we pray for the pregnancies and the new babies in this church. Lord, and I ask, uh, ask, <clears throat> ask you all of these things, and I ask uh, you, Hope, to join in closing with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.